The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And today we have a man that is doing cool things. In fact, he brought in lots of cool things. My entire studio right now is filled with delicious, luxurious, candy, well-thought-out bags, mostly bags for men. I'm talking with uh, Acme Made. And uh, Mike Noor, who is one of the developers at the company, and he has just gone through a bunch of these bags and shown me a bunch of their features. And Mike, you are a company that is manufacturing at Airtex Group. Is that how that works? We just kind of went through the ownership piece. But you uh, took an interest in Acme Made. You brought it to the Twin Cities. You are manufacturing here in Airtex, which is a Minneapolis-based 100-year-old design manufacturer of textiles, right? That's right. Hi, uh, Stephanie. Thanks, hi. thanks for having yeah, me. I hi. very much appreciate it. Uh, great intro, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so the Airtex Group is a 100-year-old Minneapolis-based textile manufacturing company. Um, it's been here. Um, so cool. It's very cool. I, yeah. It's started, um, it's got a great history. It started with um, flower bags and potato sacks. Cool. Um, and yeah. it's always been in the same fa- family. So it's in the Miller family. And my business partner, Mike Miller, is still involved and is the CEO of the Airtex Group. Okay. So you decide, like, how did you hook up with Mike and decide I'm going to take on Acme Made? Yeah. Great question. For 20 years, I was in consumer product goods. And eventually... Did you make them or market them? Yeah, both. Okay. It was everything. Marketing, selling, developing. Give me an example of something that you developed. Uh, One of my favorites, I worked for a company, Thule, a Swedish company. Yep. And I was doing cycling products for commuting. Cool. And so we came up with some really great innovative designs um, in the cycling community and... um, launched them globally. And, and this it, sounds really dumb, but I I do cycle and I like to cycle commute, but I still to this day do not have the best bag for it because all of the cycling commuter stuff seems to be built for men. It doesn't have like enough room for like my makeup bag, my computer, my clothes. You know, it just it feels like yeah, if I was just a dude and I only had a hairbrush and a can of deodorant, I'd be <laughs> right, fine, but right. I just so I I end up with like a backpack and then I'm tipping over. So anyway, we will talk about commuter. Yeah, it's a great bags. topic. And, um, you know, you mentioned it. And a lot of the bags that we have today do have sort of a male focus to them. But, you know, this just in, there's a lot of women in the world and they have a lot of influence over purchasing. Yes. So therefore, our, you know, it's interesting with Acme Made, the brand was originally focused on more female oriented products. Uh-huh. And there were some great, quirky, fun handbags. Yep. And we're definitely bringing the brand back that direction. So when we relaunched the brand a few years ago after we purchased it, it started out with sort of the black bag look that you see around you today because that's what sells in volume. 
And what's cool about that is, so, like, I can see that getting into a marketplace that a cool man bag, whether it's a man backpack, whether, and I'm just being sexist here, so the bags for men, we all know what those are for the sake of this podcast, that that would be an easier space to carve out than trying to carve out in the women's market. So sort of starting out in the men's market and then moving it backwards seems really smart, actually. Here's the cool part about that. So when we, um, Acme Made is a 16-year-old brand. It was developed by an ex-Apple designer in San Francisco. We, when I formed my own company, we were working with a company that owned Acme Made, purchased the brand, realized the heritage that it had, and that it had been somewhat neglected over the past four or five years, a really good time to buy it. And as a brand builder, uh, we were excited about it. And we found out how excited the the, uh, customers, the existing customers were, that we were relaunching the brand. And so we knew that um, we initially had to have that sort of stabilizing factor of a black bag portfolio. Smart. um, That that built off of the um, computer sleeves that were really successful. Um, But we have a clear direction to develop... Um, bags that were more like they were when they were originally launched. Handbags, fun, uh, trendy. Yeah. The trendy part is really hard. The trendy part comes and goes, and you have to be really smart about how you're designing and what you're doing because this, the time it takes to get to market, you can make a mistake on a trend and be left with a lot of inventory. Right. Where the marriage with Airtex became perfect is that in-house is a design team that is focused on trend in a variety of different categories, not just bags. So everything from window coverings to pillows to throws, all sorts of home textiles. And we have a fantastic design team, all of whom are women and all of whom are, are experts in, in getting information from a variety of places around the world and applying to those products. But they also work for bags. Yeah, and so we have this opportunity and are um, using our internal design team to develop new families of bags and other products that will fit under the Acme Made brand. Clearly, they're um, women-focused. Yeah, because there's a lot of cool, just looking around the room here at all the stuff you brought me, there's a lot of cool things in here. I'm kind of a bag freak. I've actually, I worked with a woman uh, who was part owner of J.W. Hume in St. Paul. I had a bag that I loved so much. And then it got stolen out of my car, and she was a personal friend, and we spent time, like, developing this bag together. I think they call it the St. Clair. Um, and it was it became a very top-selling bag for them. I love a tote. I just—there are certain things in bags that I find, like, very consumable as a woman, and I want to buy them. I will buy more than one. I will buy a lot. And there's some weird things like we've talked to uh, we've talked to folks that I like bag charge the chargers in the bag. Those are cool. There's now I just saw this actually right before you came in here. I was searching for a new bag online and I'm not even kidding. Nice. This they had a neoprene kind of holder that that allowed you to put a water bottle in your tote, but it stayed upright and not flop over because I'm a thermos person. Yeah. So there's just some really cool things that make a bag incredible and bags to me are kind of like cars. It's all about like the cup holder and the accessories. Yeah. That's all I care about really in, I have a fancy Volvo and I like that it goes fast, but mostly what I care about is the inside of the cup holder, touch points, plugging in my phone, like all those things that just make your life so much easier. It's a great analogy. You know, after years and years of observing um, consumer behavior, when it comes to 
bag purchases. It's less about, um, you know, the specific, say, look of the bag or, um, you know, even the way that it feels. Yep. And more about the, does it fit me as a personality? And the functionality Exactly. Of it. Does it have the things? Are the zippers, do they feel like they're in the right spot? Are the touch points nice to grab onto? Does it... Um, you know, is it easy? Is it lightweight? Is it easy to pick up? And then materials and the look and then the hardware is a really big deal. People really care about the way the hardware looks. And the other part about it, which you alluded to, is it's sort of transitional in terms of, you know, they'll use it for a year. Yep. And then it's gone. Yeah. And I've actually had go. my current bag for like four years and it's a classic but I'm feeling the need to change. I just can't find it. You were shopping right today. I was shopping today. So you're on the four year clock is ticking. for a new bag. Yeah. Um, I was noticing the other day when I was traveling that so many men are carrying backpacks now that backpacks have become the new briefcase. Backpacks are by far the largest category of bags. And that is so true. And it, it's all levels of companies and different variety of, um, people. So it used to be obviously more focused on education and, and, you know, college kids yep. and high school kids. It's clearly, and all you have to do is walk around an airport or any business office and you'll see it's backpack oriented. And I think it's a little bit of a, you know, I want to capture my younger self type of thing, but they're also really convenient because it's nice to be able to just throw it on and have your hands free. Um, And there isn't, there certainly isn't a stigma related to it. And you can see, you know, some of the backpacks we've designed have a upscale feel to them for that purpose. And the fabrics are interesting, like... Uh, kind of a, almost feels like a neoprene, kind of a shiny, techy North Face bag feel to it. Um, you've got hidden pockets. There's sleeves for computers. When you are um, putting a bag together, like, how do you know it's going to be a total home run? Do you test it? Do you focus group it? How do you know? Yeah, great question. It's not easy. That's, um, it's, you know, you would think that it's fairly simple to put together a bag. It's cut and sew, sewing machine, that kind of thing. But there's a few barriers to entry on this that, that make it hard. Um, and one of them is you don't know. So you do you do test. You use your own knowledge, your own history. A design team that understands what works from a manufacturing perspective is important because yep. you, could, you could design the greatest bag in the world, but if it's and really, really impossible to manufacture, to manufacture then... Yep. Um, Focus groups can sometimes be part of it. A lot of times it's our own employees, our own people. Um, and we have a great team of people that, that um, you know, are constantly watching and, and observing what people are doing with bags. We use our own bags a lot during the development cycle. Typically for us, we'll start with a concept. And it's usually a family of four type of bags. Yep. And we'll go through a um, development period that, that takes about six months. And you're going through iterations of it, and you prototype, and you test, and you you try it out, and then another sample set will be made, and then you'll you'll make some improvements and changes. And we get together collaboratively, um, whether it's our marketing team um, or our design team or product development people. We have the right people in the room, and we're walking through step by step to see the vision come come to life. How do you feel about fanny packs? They're back. I know, in like a big way. Yeah. Exactly. Um, again, that's that trend piece. Do you see men using fanny packs too? Uh, I've seen men using them. Yeah, um, but it's not on so, trend necessarily. Yeah, right. It kind of depends. Uh, you know, if you're, I was in uh, Asia a few times earlier this year and you see it a little bit more there. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit geographic, I think. 
Um, and how about the purse, the man purse? Yeah. Um, again, not as much, not to the point in where Europe, we're... everybody has yeah, a purse. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. Like my husband bought one in Amsterdam, and he, I know he'd secretly wanted one for a long time, but we were in Europe and everybody had one, and it's the perfect size to like carry a book around. He's an author; he always wants to have a book with him. I'm like, get a purse, just as long it as on. it matches his scarf. <laughs> He's not a scarf wearer. Actually, he is. I mean, everybody's a scarf wearer in Minnesota, right? Right, exactly. Um, you are based in or collaborating and uh, working directly with a fabric company. Are there fabrics that we're seeing in bags that are kind of new and trendy? Because it feels like techie is very important in a bag. Yeah, it's part of the development process. Um, so you've got the design piece. And then, as I mentioned, with the hardware, that's really important. And then the next step are the materials that you choose. And a lot of that has to do with wearability, um, the type of bag that you're developing. Does it need to be waterproof or not waterproof mm-hmm. or water resistant? Uh, look and feel, obviously, makes a huge difference. Um, there are a lot of different black backpacks on yep. the market. So if you're going to develop a black backpack, it better have some unique and interesting features to it. And materials are one of them. So, sure. Um, it, it depends a little bit on the market you're after. If it's sort of a, more of a sporty feel, you might have um, something that, that has that aesthetic. Um, like our Divisadero bags that we're launching um, this quarter, um, they have a, um, you know, a heathered material that just ha- is more focused on the look. Yeah, it's a little up north looking kind of. Exactly. The cool part about that is with that um, type of material, you can actually choose some different types of heathered materials in different colors and perhaps add a touch of leather in there. And and even though it's the same design bag, it has a completely different feel to it. A custom feel. Exactly. You mentioned that you do custom bags like for teams or Nordic uh, ski, like a ski bag. You need obviously a place for these big clunky boots and... um, do you take existing designs and then customize them for like a team or do you work with them on building something specifically to them? We can do it both ways, but typically it's the former. Yeah. So it'll be our existing designs. Um, the Nordic duffel that I showed you earlier for cross-country ski teams, but that was a bit of a labor of love because yeah. I was a coach for many years, a volunteer oh, coach. Really? Um, and so I watched... Um, athletes, kids walking around, seeing stuff falling all over the yeah. place and, you know, stumbling, fumbling, trying to get stuff, losing stuff, gloves, you have hats. poles and, and skis exactly. and boots and like, hats. I'm always losing a glove Exactly. So, um, so the bag that we uh, developed there was from years of watching that and observing that and, and the types of things we, we wanted in a, a product like that. So that bag specifically is great for um, a high school athlete or yep. a cross-country ski um, athlete, per- perfect spots for boots. It can turn into a cycling bag for a helmet on one side. Yep. It's got water bottle holders in it. It's got a um, really great um, small little quick uh, access pockets for nutrition. Oh, stuff yeah. Stuff that you need. So. Oh, gosh. Sorry about that. I didn't turn. I tell everybody to turn their phones down, and I do, but then I don't turn my computer down. Um, how much do the bags retail for generally? Is there a range and how much of that is markup? Is it like retail is 50% markup you hear, but your, yeah, that your bags seem like, um, it wouldn't be that it would be less than that. Cause they're pretty nice. Yeah. Thanks. Um, the markups and, uh, the way the economics work are, um, vary from retailer to retailer. It's a really dynamic time right now with some of our, so we have manufacturing partners. In addition to our, our Minneapolis-based factory, we yep. work with manufacturers in Asia as well. 
And um, it's very dynamic right now in terms of the economics changing and where we're manufacturing. And, and our, we have partners in um, China, Taiwan, Vietnam, Cambodia, and India. Okay. And um, what it does is um, allows us to, you know, work within economics depending on the volume scale. So a typical bag in a retail space is maybe four times um, what it costs to make it, something okay. like that. Um, oh, I would have thought it would have been less, so that's Yeah, great. it depends. I mean, if you think about all the different people that are involved in bringing it to market, yeah. um, you just place up the pie and, and figure it out. And yep. the retailers have a huge part of that because they have, you know, all the brick and mortar that goes with it or even an online situation. Do you think you'll ever have a brick and mortar? Like, how do people get your bags now besides online at Acme Made? Yeah, acmemade.com is the best um, you know, direct way, but you can find us on Amazon. Um, we will be in Staples in quarter one. So, okay. um, there's a number of different retail partners we're working with and you'll see that there. Um, so the retail spot is a good, good place to start. What do you think Minnesota has brought to your business? Minnesota is great for a couple reasons. Um, First of all, the people that we work with are mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, it's just smart, great, bright, creative, it's clever, amazing people. And yep. you know, Strong having worked ethic. around, I've worked around the world, a lot of different countries, and there's great people all over the place. Um, but boy, you know, having the, the people on our team, it just always reminds me how great it is to have um, the Twin Cities yeah. as our resource and our home base. Um, that helps. That that's a that's the number one thing. Um, the other part is we have two gigantic global leaders in retailing here in Best Buy and Target. Sure. Both of whom we, um, you know, obviously have relationships with. And um, just having that that vibrancy and talent um, right here in, in our yeah. hometown is fantastic. In the 16 years that you've been doing this, what has changed in the marketing of bags? Yeah, great question there. It's the changes are pretty significant in terms of how you're getting to the consumer. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. Um, before in the early two thousands, it was all sold through retail mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, with the emergence of Amazon um, and uh, just your own ability to directly connect with consumers. Um, through social media. It's and... totally different. We're talking, we're speaking to our, our um, consumers every day and, um, they're giving us feedback. It's direct. It's honest. It's authentic. It's fantastic. Um, that that really is is a big change for us. Um, I would say the social media aspect of it is mm-hmm. a, is a big difference than than how it was before. It's just interesting to think about like before social media, you were presenting sort of a lifestyle image of your brand, right? But that never came alive. It was an image. It was a manufactured thought to show your bag in this setting, right? Now, like, if you feel like you have this lifestyle brand uh, that connects people to your products, you have to show that in lots of different ways, lots of different forms. It's really like creating a whole story. It's it's a great time of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, Neen Kiger, who's our VP of Marketing, sitting behind you there, she would tell you this as well, that the opportunity to connect with a consumer is is unlike any other time. Yeah. And it whereas feels before, super personal. Right. And you can be more creative with the products because whereas before you were counting on, you know, the lifeblood of a company like ours was retail partnerships. Yep. And you had to work within the confines of that. And while we still do that, the retail landscape has changed so much that the opening for creative 
brand building exists where it didn't before. I never thought about that. So, yeah, because you had to like fit on the shelf in a certain way and distribute in a certain way. And it was really, you know, tight. And, and they typically, they're sort of like Hollywood in some ways where they, if something's working, they're not going to make a huge right. change or take a, take a chance. And so therefore a lot of black backpacks in the marketplace and it still exists to some degree, but the, the ability to craft your own story, own it and be creative and authentic out there, that that's definitely different. The other piece that's really different is there's a lot more brands. So not only are the brands um, themselves creating products like us mm-hmm. and Acme made, but our own customers are creating their brands. And that's good and challenging. Mm-hmm. The good part is that a lot of times they'll create their own brands and they'll ask companies with expertise like ours to make the products for them. Yes. And we do that. Uh huh. So that's a great way for us to extend our capabilities into other areas that there's a lot of bags in the marketplace that we d- we uh, develop and build and bring to market, but they don't have our brand on it, and you wouldn't right. know that we're behind them. There's a lot of um, uh, so so our customers end up kind of being our competitors. I was going to ask you about that. So let's say I create a proprietary um, holder f- holder for uh, pencils, and you know then I come to you and you make my bag, and I've got this proprietary holder for pencils. Do you have some sort of agreement that prevents you from putting the proprietary holder for pencils that I created in your bags? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you can, we don't do a lot of patent work. We have some patents yep. and we do do some and, uh, but it's a little bit hard. I mean, the great thing about cut and sew products is that they're really, really easy to change and, and, uh, update and manipulate. Uh, the hard part about cut and sew products is that they're really easy to change and manipulate. Yeah. And so you're so you can manipulate seeing, one small thing and then, and then it's you're your around invention. the patent. Yeah. yeah. So, so we don't do a ton of patent. Patents are like that for almost everything though, aren't they? Um, yeah, you know, we're focused and we have a couple that we're working on right now where if it's a process or a significant market disruptor um, that involves a process of, say, developing the product, um, it can be a little bit more defen- defensible. Yeah, that's my husband's had a couple of patents and, um, yeah, some of them were pretty easy to defend or others, frankly, you're just kind of, I don't want to say ripping off someone else, but it's like your spin on someone else's stuff that then becomes your own. And right. Our our biggest um, strategy when it comes to that kind of stuff is that we just keep developing new. Yeah. And you try to just be a good partner, right? Just generally, like right. someone just, we, we were talking about like your best piece of business advice. And his best piece of business advice was just don't be a jerk. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it really, that is so meaningful and so true because nobody wants to work with a jerk and no one wants to get in bed with a jerk in a business setting and just yuck, who wants the jerks? Yeah. Again, you know, I'll just go back to Minnesota roots there. Um, I have to say that uh, Minnesota nice or Minnesota humble, whatever you want to say, has been very beneficial around the world. And it's just a much better way, a happier way to, to deal with people. Yeah, and so, to be in harmony. Do you have yeah. like a piece of business advice that you give people? I, I definitely would say that as one of my top ones is, you know, um, be tough but fair. Yep. And, um, That's a good one, tough but fair, because yep. that means tough is sometimes hard to hear. Yeah, and, you know, you have to be careful not to be taken advantage of, but mm-hmm. um, but if you're you're fair about it, you're authentic, you're transparent, um you know, people like to work with you and, and you, you know, you're problem solving. And so we find that helps us a lot. You can get real paranoid too. Like 
if you're in a competitive space, which I know you are, you can get real paranoid and you have to kind of be reminded that sometimes to give information is also helpful in getting information. You know what I mean? So there's that like give and take and knowing what that line is. You know, sometimes you have to get real with yourself and be like, well, I'm not really making the secret sauce here, you know? was uh, at this negotiating seminar a couple, three weeks ago. And one of the things that was a really great learning was that you would think in a negotiation situation that you would do everything you can to be not the first person to say something, you know, not to be the first person to put the stake in the ground. Mm-hmm. But the advice of uh, during this seminar was to do the exact opposite. And they called it anchoring. And you put your anchor in the ground at the spot where you're working towards and they had statistics, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like 70 or 80% of the time, the, the party that anchored it on a number first ended up within that as the final um, number. I think that's probably totally true. My yeah, it was a, really, a lawyer. I'm going to tell her that one. Yeah, it was, a really, <laughs> it was a really great thing because we're constantly negotiating, um, always. You know, it's always a negotiation, whether it's uh, with our customers or with vendor partners or suppliers or even internally. You know, if you think about all the times during the day that you're doing that, it's it's good to be uh, um, cognizant of your negotiation yeah. skills. Yeah. Where do you get inspired creatively? Like, do you listen to podcasts? Do you like music? Do you read books? Do you... I like endurance athletics, cycling and skiing, and it, uh, my head's clear. And, uh, you know, I think of a lot of things while I'm doing, you know, while I'm out side. Yep. Um, that's, that's really, I draw my inspiration there. It's sort of, it, you don't have a choice when you're, you know, heart speeding 180 a minute, you're definitely have a clear head and you're just thinking about different things. I, I find that's where I do my best. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, are there other people in town that have inspired you like that you think are good product developers or foods you like, or, uh, there's people in our own building that I definitely think are fantastic developers. Um, you know, just by traveling and seeing um, different parts of the world, I'm mm-hmm. always inspired by seeing what other people are wearing and doing and sure. how they're, you know, particularly bags. Um, Is there a place where you've gone where you're like, wow, if everybody could see this, it would just be amazing? Um, there's a lot of places like that. <laughs> so I'll just give you a couple of recent examples. Sure. Um, you've traveled a lot. Yeah, it's it's global for us for sure, yeah. and and uh, I guess that's really part of the fun. Um, we, uh, I and my family, summited Mount Fuji this summer. Uh, well, just on, that on the end of a <laughs> uh, business trip to Tokyo, and uh, every you know, Japan and Tokyo is always um, fascinating to me. Love it. Um, it was the first time walking up the side of a volcano, though, and uh, there were some really great people there that were carrying lots of different kinds of bags. So it was fun yeah. uh, to see that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Ho Chi Minh, and we have manufacturing partners there, and and that's uh, just a really fascinating city with people. I think I'm going there around. this spring. Oh, you'll love it. Um, it's it's really amazing. So that's cool. All right. So, uh, what's your favorite? Where's your favorite place to eat in Minneapolis? Good question. There, I think uh, I'm going to have to lean towards my side of town if that's okay. Yeah. Um, in downtown Stillwater, there's a little uh, restaurant called Lolo. My wife and I like. Oh uh, yeah, date I night like that there. restaurant. Yeah, so we I go just there. stayed at the Laura Hotel for the first ah, time. Awesome, that's really nice. I yeah, it was really nice, yeah. and they actually feature a ton of Minnesota products in the room. Oh, that's cool. Which was cool. Yeah, and I know they were intentional about it. Um, I happened to like get a press release very early on, but. 
I thought it was really cool. It was a nice touch. Um, also, there's a good restaurant there, Pearl and the Thief. Have you? Pearl and the Thief is is a, another good one. Yeah, a yeah. good one. Yeah, the whole downtown's open to us now that the uh, bridge is the bridge. I forgot how I haven't been at Stillwater. We used to go all the time to eat at the San Pedro Cafe. Right. I love that place, and it had been a while, and I was like, I just forget how much cute shopping and fun places to drink, and No Neck Tony's makes a good Bloody Mary, nice. and. It was all good. Cool. Well, thank you for coming in today. I really appreciate uh, in, I appreciate meeting you. I'm looking forward to the, tell me the name of the brand of the, the new line of the bags that you're launching. I want to it's, say Desdemona, but I know yeah, that's not you right. You know, the uh, the names of our families, which consumers never really focus in on, but we come up with creative names. It's actually a street in San Francisco. Okay. Divisadero. Divisadero. It yep. sounds like a street in San Francisco. Yep. And when you have a family of bags, does that mean they come together from a fabric perspective? Yeah, they have the same aesthetic. So yep. you might have one that's really focused on a traveling bag, so a larger um, backpack. You'll have a commuter bag that is more like your daily bag that you yep. use every single day. And then some people would prefer an attache case that's got a little bit more of a um, briefcase look to it. Um, so that's typically in there. And then in Divisadero in particular, we chose to do a messenger bag, um, which can be used, um, you know, whether you're bike commuting or not. It's just right. a little bit, you know, different look to a bag. Kind of hang sideways. Exactly. And... It's got a sling look to it. Yeah. There's so. a lot of cool bags in here. I wish you guys the best of luck. It was very interesting to talk to you. And I look forward to catching up with you maybe in like a year or so. I'm starting to circle back on some folks that I've talked to in the very beginning to just uh, see how the Divisadero bag did. Thanks so much, Stephanie. It's been great to meet you, too. All of us at Acme Made, thank you.